You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. I'm your host, Virgil Variks, and today is May 11th, 2019. Let's get right into the show. So before we could start, let's get into my guest today. I got my good friend Matt in here today. How you doing, Matt? Guys, I'm good. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. So today's show, I kind of want to make it uh, an interesting one. You know, you and I have been talking a little bit about some things pertaining to uh, theory of mind, consciousness, and all this different stuff. And I feel that something we should you know, definitely get into today. So consciousness, the whole idea, the concept of it. I'll give you kind of where I'm coming from, and I want to see where you, know, you are coming from. Okay. So to me, I feel like consciousness is you know, your awareness on the external events in your life, your awareness on your internal sensations, um, your awareness of yourself as like a unique being having an experience, but also you, your awareness of, you know, thoughts about all these experiences, experiences together. Okay. So I hear that definition. And to me, the key word there is awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, use that 100%. every time. Yes. Yeah, yes. And so I think you could extend consciousness to outside of humans. Is okay. A plant is a plant conscious. Hmm. As an animal conscious, I would I would say that there's different like levels of consciousness. Okay, because you know not all animals can you know they ha- so a lot of animals have an awareness of external events. A lot of animals have awareness of internal sensations, um, but not many have a, uh, an awareness of being a unique being. You know, experiencing things. An individual, yes. sense of self that doesn't. Yeah, the idea of self to an animal, I think, doesn't really exist. Now, granted, maybe to there has been some studies where they've you know taken um, a marker and put it on an orangutan's head, like you know, like a like some chalk or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know they would put it on their head and then they would give them a mirror and they would you know swipe at it. So that shows that there might be something a little more to certain animals, you know, like primates. I would say certain higher primates. But also um, to sea life, like you know, orcas, you know, other types of whales, dolphins, those mammals also seem to have a pretty big brain. Right. But also they also seem to, like, there was a video I was watching with one of my friends. I think I might have mentioned it to you, where somebody dropped their phone into the water, and a beluga whale like grabbed the phone and came to the surface and <laughs> gave uh, <laughs> gave um, the uh, phone right back to the owner of the phone. So it kind of knew that this person was sad and kind of, you know, it, it seemed like the orca knew uh, that the uh, phone was important. So I guess to a certain extent you could say they know more than we know that they know. I would agree with that. Well, granted, you know, we, we don't really know that much about our own brains. I think they said that in the last – what is it? 15 years, we've known more about the brain than we've known the last hundred. So to me, there's still a lot about ourselves that we still need to figure out and still need to understand. Uh, and, you know, one thing, you know, when we talk about the nature of, of consciousness itself, um, like you said, the critical element is, you know, the, that consciousness is awareness at the end of the day. So when it comes to the development of consciousness now, and I think like, because to me, the development of the origins of consciousness stem from the evolutionary process, right? I think that through um, 
natural selection and sexual selection, uh, certain species tend to get have consciousness for you know ideally for survival and for reproduction, uh, and the consciousness is there primarily to service those things in favor of you know promoting that particular species. What do you think the area of where do you think consciousness kind of develops or comes from? I know you have a little different uh, so opinion than I do. I won't say I prescribe to one particular theory, of course, but I think that it's probably at least fair to entertain these theories because we don't know at this point. I agree, yeah. So you could talk about the stoned ape theory, which yes. is the idea that we ate psychedelics as yes. an early species and that expanded our mind. Mm-hmm. You could get into maybe some sort of external force, yeah, like a god type situation, exactly. an alien type yep. situation. People have made those uh, statements, of course, of course. So I would, I would say that another one of those actually is like we, you know, certain primates decided to eat more meat, and over a period of time, that meat helped develop our brains. And that our brains got bigger and bigger and then we developed some type of consciousness. So that's another argument there. That's the more naturalistic argument I would I've say. I've heard that before as well. Yeah. So there's there's a few different ways that can go. But see, for me, I would say, oh, you know, over time, you know, things like, you know, we talk about consciousness and everything. You know, one one of the things of consciousness is, you know, being awake and, you know, taking, you know, falling asleep. Why do we sleep? You know, what's what's the purpose of sleep? Is it, you know, to rest? Is it to repair our DNA like new science is saying? Uh, we know that we need it. We definitely need it, 100%. And, you know, if you don't go through it, you end up, you know, going insane and then eventually dying because you need, you know, because sleep's so important. And people that are sleep deprived have all types of huge problems, you know, physio- physiologically problems and psychological problems that, you know, can last months and months after they, you know, take a nap or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, you know, it's, you know, with consciousness, you know, we talk about being awake. We talk about, you know, sleeping. You know, there's obviously people in, who are in a coma. There's people who are under anesthesia, um, people who are in a vegetative state. And, you know, obviously there's people who, who have just, you know, passed. So consciousness, you know, ranges from all of those, uh, you know. Different levels. Different levels, I would say. But I, I would say that, you know, they did a, they did a thing, they did a test recently on pigs. I forgot exactly what the, I think that the pigs died um, and they were able to revive the pigs or the, they noticed that the brain cells were working, I think, four hours after death. Wow. So um, I'm not necessarily sure, you know, if we really understand how the brain actually uh, decides to go on after we die even. So for you, consciousness is would – you, would you describe it as some type of – I wouldn't say a uh, theological or a – I would say more of a a supernatural type of – when I say supernatural, I don't – I mean like literally the definition of supernatural. Like do you think it's something above nature or something that is like, you know, some – related to nature but a step higher? So you talk about being awake and asleep. Okay. Those are different levels of consciousness. You're either awake, you're walking around, Mm -hmm. you're asleep, you're in bed with your eyes shut. Yeah. There are levels of consciousness above being awake. Okay. If we entertain this idea. Let's do it. Please. The levels of consciousness above just your waking state, you can get into a state of mind where... Stuff that doesn't appear to you when you're at a lower level mm. would start to make sense at a higher level, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. And, you know, I think this would be like a new age type of. No, for sure. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of talking about altered states of consciousness, right? Sure. So um, it's, you know, it's interesting because usually it, it can stem anywhere from sleep can do it to you, you know, dreaming, um, using drugs and alcohol, of course, can do that to you. Yeah. Um, hypnosis, that's another thing that people, you know, describe a different state of mind and meditation. Meditation. Exactly. All these things can really very, you know, can, can really be a form of consciousness when a person's, you know, gets a sense of self or the sense of the world kind of changes. They can alter your state of being. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I, I do agree that 
that is a, a valid thing, primarily because you know certain if you you know do I guarantee you if you do it under fMRI scan of your brain, different parts of your brain are firing during those moments versus and, when you're normally. Caught. And see, I call it new agey because yeah. you can't explain it; it's just a theory, and it's yeah. an out there theory yeah. at that. But yeah. when you get into you can MRI, you can look at the electrical signals yes. that your brain is sending. That is true. But translating that to what it actually means is a lot harder because we don't know. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I'm I'm very like I told you the other day, I'm very comfortable saying I don't know about a lot of this stuff, primarily because you know I'm not I've never I'm not really specialized in you know studying consciousness or whatever. Right. But the thing is, like, on top of it, it's there's so much uncertainty about you know our brain, uh, the circadian rhythms of you know uh, uh, altered states of consciousness. Why you know why can people get into a zone? Right when they're playing basketball or you know another type of sport. Why can people climb Mount Everest in their shorts? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. And there's another guy. Uh, he is a specialist um, with cold uh, cold water submersion. I think it's Wim Hof or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he's from one of the Scandinavian countries, and I think he teaches Navy SEALs and a bunch of other operators to you know so basically submerge themselves in freezing freezing water for you know. 20, 30, 40 minutes, even hours at a time. Just how to get them mentally prepared. Yes, mentally prepared, but also, you know, it also goes into a certain breathing technique. So there's, it's, it's, it's connect, the way he kind of does it, he, he, he said he kind of gets into this kind of trance state where, you know, he's just singularly focusing on one thing. It's a meditative state. So yeah, I would say that we definitely do have the ability to attain different altered states of consciousness. You know, right now, uh, Colorado, Denver just uh, decriminalized uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things that many, 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 many people use, to, you know, to alter their consciousness. And, you know, right now, even John Hopkins University did a study showing that, you know, taking mushrooms uh, a few times here and there could be a viable treatment for depression. So, I mean, right now also you have – uh, other organizations like MAPS who just got legalized, they are the um, – let me tell you the name of them. Multi – let me see. I'll tell you what the name. Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Okay. They just helped get legalized uh, MDMA therapy for sufferers of PTSD. So primarily soldiers and other people who have suffered PTSD within you know, the civilian realm. Um, they would go and do uh, – you know, controlled sessions of, you know, they give you MDMA and then you would sit there at, with a therapist, talk everything out, and then you would dose up again. So, I mean. So I've heard that with MDMA. Yes. I've heard it with psilocybin. Yes. Ketamine also. Yes. Ketamine right name. now is also being yeah. used for a lot of this stuff too. So there, I mean, and on top of the, you know, you know, lithium and the other thousand of other, you know, psychiatric drugs that people use to either alter their consciousness or correct something within their, uh, you know, underlying, you know, uh, uh, mental chemistry or whatever like that. But something I find interesting is, you know, now I think the world is starting to take the idea that, you know, altering your consciousness can be a good way for psychological healing. You know, you t- we talk about, you know, the shows, conversations and meditations, right? So, and, you know, we, when I talk about meditation, in reality, to me, whenever I meditate and I, I need to do it more often, like I told you that the other day, I don't get to do it as much. I'm so busy recently. But the thing about meditation that I find is um, meditation is a little vacation you can take away from your everyday problems. It, it You know, people will say, well, is that an escape? I wouldn't say necessarily it's an escape. It's a cleansing in a way. It's like mental cleansing. You know, it's like doing spring cleaning for your brain. <laughs> you know, you could just sit there and kind of let go of everything. You know, the way I kind of do it is everything that's on my mind, I'll slowly say, okay, what is on my mind? And I'll like think about it, think about it, let go. And I'll do the same thing for everything else. Think about it, think about it, let go. And I get into the zone. And then once I'm there, you know, I can kind of allow myself to kind of, you know, reconnect, reground myself to the world and to the to reality. But also, you know, because uh, sometimes – you know, it's all, you know, perspective altering, you know, in your experience of meditating and, you know, experiencing different states of altered consciousness, would you say that as we're talking right now, 
every the thing is that we, we mentioned development of our consciousness, like right? Where it came from. Where it came from. And the thing is like this is a everybody who do does this type of stuff, whether it's meditating, whether it's you know taking uh, substances to alter your consciousness, whether it's uh, you know using a float tank to you know to alter your consciousness or whatever. These things are important and are essential because now science, you know, and traditional, you know, I mean, medicine right here, uh, Western medicine, let's put it that way. Um, is now trying to take some of these substances that have been used in you know traditional cultures for there have been of shamans years. since humans have existed. Yes, exactly. And I think in in some cases, shaman means clever fellow or clever <laughs> person. So um, in a lot of ways, you know, we've we've used you know different roots and things over time to survive. But it's also fascinating, interesting that you know a lot of people have used these substances. To kind of uh, reach different levels and kind of connect. I mean, they say in history people use this stuff to communicate with the gods, right? That's a very common thing. So your experience of meditating and you know reaching an altered consciousness, where do you think your 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 experiences? How do you how do you kind of make sense of them? Well, so it's hard to make sense of them. Mm -hmm. I think as humans, we might almost not be meant to make sense of them okay. in a way. Yeah. It's because it's like trying to tell us that there's something out there that's so beyond our grasp that mm -hmm. like you're just not going to believe it if you see it. <laughs> yeah. So the psychedelics that you take, the psilocybin, yes. that would give you like a window into this perception, you know, like yeah. of what is out there on these different like if you different levels of consciousness different planes of existence mm. see and the thing is like where i kind of where, where i think about that personally is like you know take psilocybin right the active thing that you know after you eat it it turns to psilocin and psilocin is the thing that makes people you know have these experiences what what i what i would say what i would think is that you know i look at it pretty naturalistic in the sense that, okay, you have something that is connecting to another receptor in the brain. It's sending electrical signals that alter a person's consciousness by these things. Now, whatever the person experiences, I would say that it, it all tends to happen all in the head. I would, I wouldn't say that, you know, cause some, some people have a description of psychedelics and say, well, you know, psychedelics essentially, you know, alter your consciousness, but at the same time, Opens like you said a door, a window into something else, something else, a different world. And you know, people that have described their experiences with DMT, dimethyltryptamine, and you know, high doses of psilocybin have described things like that as well. Um, but I would, I would generally say that that's all, you know, chemical reactions in the brain, personally. Okay, and that's one way of looking at it. Yes, I agree. <clears throat> What I've come to believe just yes. from experience and just reading about it, learning yes. about it is the psychedelics, the drugs that you take that yeah. can alter your consciousness. Yes. You can do all that without the drugs. If you meditate, like yeah. it, you can open those same gotcha. and maybe it's only once you've taken it. So you know, like what it looks like, what, what is happening in your brain. But they say some yogis and masters have been able to do this stuff without. Ever experienced and there, there's a story of one yogi who took a thousand hits of acid and it didn't <laughs> affect him. He was that. Really? He was that. That's, that's, yeah. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately I feel that certain people, um, like, like, you know, people train their muscles, right? People train their legs. People go for races. People, you know, do marathons, the extreme marathons, all this different type of stuff. You know, I'm not far from – not not putting it you know too far away from you know my my scope of you know worldview or idea to feel that you know people can train their brains just like they can train their muscles or their mind or the other stuff absolutely but i would i would i then go and say that that there's something you know when i say supernatural i mean above what science can explain explain right now I wouldn't go that far personally, primarily because I feel that since there's no evidence or hard evidence towards a lot of this stuff, a lot of it is circumstantial, a lot of it is anecdotal, a lot of it is experiential, um, since you can't retest it in a lab necessarily, I mean, 
So one one study that I've read that had that dealt with psilocybin. Yes. They can look at the neurons firing while the person is on it. Yeah. And it's it's the neurons are firing in ways that their brain hadn't connected yet. So it's mm-hmm. literally it can rewire your brain, That's make true. new connections that weren't there before. That's true. And I've I've heard that for sure. And the thing is like I mean even in cases where people have had traumatic brain injuries, Right. And they would think they wouldn't be able to hear or see their brain actually reconnected certain pathways to compensate for the, you know, the damage has already been done to their brains. So it's amazing how, you know, the body can, you know, compensate, compensate and even morph and change depending on injuries and depending on, you know, what you put in it, alcohol, you know, other types of drugs, psilocybin, you know, cannabis, all these different things affect people obviously in different ways. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that throughout history, people have used these substances. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of these religious, you know, you know, I'm not necessarily religious myself personally, um, but I do think a lot of what you know, can be exp- – what is ex- talked about and explained in religion can be highly connected to use of these substances. So um, because when you talk about consciousness, right? Um, like you said, a lot of people either take it that, you know, some deity gave them this consciousness and that ultimately the ultimate connection to the consciousness is that deity, right? Well, That's one and I think like if you look at the current state of like you can go on an ayahuasca retreat where yeah, you're in like a South spa America. in yeah. like Costa Rica yeah, and it's like true. it's commercialized. Yes. That's not so. the same thing as the shamans were doing thousands of years ago in yeah, the jungle. Agree. It's completely I would different. Hundred percent. I would definitely. It's agree marketed with you. as like a vacation, almost. Yeah, exactly. More so than a a ritual. But but a renewing vacation, not yeah. like a sightseeing vacation. Yeah, exactly. So different, but it's a different type of concept. It's like it's kind of like where you have these vacations where it's like a retreat, like a silent uh, retreat. In, I mean, in my opinion, it's a bastardization of the ritual. But. Yeah. I, well, I think you know, in a lot of ways, people will take you know rituals that have been used throughout history and then morph and change them towards. You know, modern consumers, because not everybody would want to go into the wild. Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of people are very afraid of that type of stuff. They the jungle's dangerous. Very much so. And that wouldn't probably, you know, make them feel that comfortable about their environment, especially while they're, you know, experiencing these altered states. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we, the thing about, see, the thing I, the thing I, I think about this quite a bit, um, I do believe that there is some wisdom that people can gain through these altered states, primarily, you know, like meditating. You know, I've had instances where, you know, I've meditated and slowly taken, you know, the things that were on my head out slowly one by one and just kind of think about nothing and get there. And then, you know, after kind of How doing, long are you thinking about nothing for? How long can you stay there for and just not the think longest, about a thing? The longest – see, the thing is like I'll think about nothing for like 20 25 minutes at, at most. Okay. Right? And then like all of a sudden I would you know something that was been kind of bugging me. You'll get like hungry or something. Well, that might happen, <laughs> right? Yeah, it definitely does happen occasionally. <laughs> like, damn, I'm hungry. <laughs> but like you know sometimes I'll like, you know, free my mind a little bit and then after 20 minutes, you know, 20 25 minutes, I'll end up being like I know what I need to do about whatever issue that I wasn't thinking about. You'll go in, okay. okay. You know what I mean? So you I, don't go into it with intent, but you get to the some, answer yeah, anyway. Sometimes I'll get to the answer. And sometimes I will have a different type of meditation where I will purposely remove everything except one certain thing that I want to focus on. And have a meditate sing- on that with intent. With intent and singularly focus on that. Yeah. And sometimes there's a double sided, you know, coin of that. Sometimes it's really beneficial and great. And it allows me to kind of solve an issue that's kind of been bugging me for a while. But also sometimes it can become rumination and you get trapped in your mind <laughs> thinking about that stuff. So it's it has you have to know when to, when to allow your brain to kind of let and go. That's an acquired skill. I think it's you have to work Absolutely. on it. That's that's something that, you know, like we talked about. People are working out their muscles. That's a that's a brain exercise. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't recommend people do that very <laughs> often because like I said, it can lead to rumination. And rumination. People do. People meditate every day. I agree. I mean, they do it unknowingly. I mean, people will do it unknowingly. They do it knowingly every day as well, though. What do you mean? Meditate every day. Set aside an hour in your morning and meditate. Okay. Well, not. I would say a lot of people do that, but a lot of people don't take the opportunity and the time 
to actively try to – I mean a lot of people are afraid of doing it because like, – In today's society, it's really, really hard to quiet your mind for that long. That's a big problem, yeah. especially with you know you got a couple kids, you got a job, you know, you're addicted to your phone and to the internet like myself, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it becomes, it becomes an issue. And, you know, allowing yourself to not think about anything really is, um, it's an opportunity because, like we talked about, um, you're not, we have the awake part and the sleep part, but when you're meditating, it's somewhere in between. It's like a twilight. It's an altered it's state an altered, of consciousness. It's an altered state. Exactly. And, you know, when we talk about altered states of consciousness, you know, we ma- I mentioned dreams with you earlier. And, you know, I I feel like dreams is highly connected to our consciousness and connected to our, you know, reasoning skills primarily. So, like, anytime I've kind of not, like, oh, I thought about something, like, I'm going to put this in the back burner and not think about it. It'll somehow manifest itself in, in my dreams, dreams. Yeah. whether through a symbolic you know, a method and or a pretty literal, you know, just like this is what's happening right now in the dream and I need to kind of confront this. What do you think about dreams and its connection to, you know, giving truths about ourself or truths about our situation versus dreams being some type of like um, dream in a world, you know, some kind of gateway? So I, I've come to view dreams as they can have, like there could be meaning there. There yeah. is some sort of correlation between like your dream and your unconscious mind manifesting itself in yeah. this weird, like <laughs> fake movie that you're experiencing. Yeah. But I, I've had too many dreams that I just can't make any sense of. Yeah. There are, there have been some symbolic dreams where it's like, oh, you have a really vivid dream and you go look it up. Like, yeah. what does this dream mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, Okay. Exactly. And the thing is like – That kind of makes sense. So yeah. It's like it's believable but like I don't know that I put my full stock of faith in it. OK. I would – you know, I agree with you in, in, to, to a certain point because I feel like you know everybody has these archetypes within our heads already and you know with Jungian – You've got a human brain. We do have a human brain. Exactly. And you know with, with Jungian um, psychology, you know, he talks about – you know, these dreams and these archetypes that he describes are really um, – these are just images of humanity, you know, that people have seen time and time again over history. And this is kind of like, you know, kind of like epigenetics in a way where, you know, something has happened to a certain uh, group and it's expressing itself in its genes. Like so for instance, an example of that is like why are little kids – afraid of monsters. They've never seen a monster. They've never They're heard of a monster. They're conditioned from being little kids. I mean, well, no. Let's say let's, – no, they've done studies on little kids okay. where they've, they've never – kids have never been introduced to the concept of a monster but had a dream of something chasing them. Some people will say through epigenetics that somewhere down the line, one of their ancestors – as a child, was probably chased by some type of giant cat or something. Exactly. Like I, when I was a little kid, I would have dreams of a black panther under my bed, right? Yeah. That would yeah. terrorize me. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is like, you know, that's some that's some leftover monkey crap. And, and so <laughs> you know, those, those would be like recurring throughout my entire childhood. Yeah. And then there was one dream where it's or, like – Or, or, or. Bad memories of the Michael Jackson music video. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a very good point. I'm not going to lie about that. That's a really good point. But it, it all, it all, it all, in all honesty with me though, when I've had dreams, I've, uh, I've thought about, you know, like I told you, I've had, a few apocalyptic dreams that are really vivid and I can really remember them. And usually when people will say, well, what, what's the meaning behind it? Like you said, a lot of people can just say, well, there's no meaning behind it. It's just, you know, I saw a movie and somehow this, you know, seeped into my head. But like, you know, it also could be like, well, who was there? What was going on? And like, you know, an apocalyptic dream symbolizes to people, usually a lot of you know, people who study this stuff, symbolizes like a new beginning or trying to change things. Uh, see, so going back to my uh, 
Panther, Black Panther yes. dream. I, after having recurring dreams for years, yeah. I had one specific dream where the Black Panther comes out, and my dad had this like replica sword, like yeah. scythe type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the Panther comes out, and I like jump on it with the sword and just like ride around on the Panther with the sword. <laughs> And then I never have a bad dream about a panther under my bed again. I like okay. conquered that fear in yeah. my dream. Or yeah, something. and that happened like years after the initial dream, right? Yeah, this was like years into having the dream, like huh. every couple and, and months. That's, or and that's a recurring. That was a, a recurring dream. Okay, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I guess like and the thing is like how can how can they explain that for kids who've never seen a panther or heard? I mean, about maybe a I had seen one on like a PBS nature show. or yeah, something. Yeah, but of but course, of course. But we talk about like I had a black, not a black. It was like a gray striped cat as a kid, so I knew what a cat looked. Yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. So you had, but just concept. associating like a dark figure with like bad uh, and evil eyes and jumping. I've at heard, you. I've heard the theory that it's like it's because your ancestors were like scared by a cat at night. And the, yeah, there was you know you know hanging around the camp and looking for you know a little kid or a little straggler to walk around. I, I've heard the same thing with like a fear of falling. Yes. It's like everyone's scared of – like you don't want to fall because yes. that means you're falling off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing you're... is like there's a lot of – there's I mean I'm a big – you know I'm a big uh, fan of a lot of evolutionary psychology. And you know a lot of the stuff they talk about is stuff that happened during the Paleolithic period, right? Um, the Paleolithic era. That as far al- as human brain development yeah, is concerned? is still pretty much what we're running on today. We haven't like moved that much up in the next software update. And how many years ago is the Paleolithic era? Um, like 200? No. Longer? Paleolithic period. Paleolithic era, I would say, so 40, beginning 40,000 years ago, I think it ending, oh, okay. ending around 12,500 years ago. Graham Hancock would disagree. Yeah, well, yeah, he definitely <laughs> would. <laughs> so a- according to that, you know, at that point, humanity, you know, started – a lot of the things that influence our behaviors and the way we are today and influence, you know, the way we react to the outside world and take, you know, how our consciousness kind of, you know, connects to the outside world. So, you know, something I kind of wanted to bring up to you, and I, I think I've mentioned this a little bit, we talked about the altered states, we talked about the development and the origins of of consciousness and all this stuff. What do you think about, you know, the people out there, the transhumanists who are getting into the future of it? Yes, a little bit into the future of consciousness because consciousness to me the way I see it is humanity and it's not just me saying this, I mean Elon Musk has mentioned this, a lot of other, you know, way smarter people than me have mentioned this stuff that they see humanity going one way right now because AI hasn't, you know, AI's moved too far ahead in order for us to kind of control it. So a lot of people have mentioned... Whatever happens with it is going to happen in the next few years yes, regardless. Yes, there's nothing we can do to kind of stop that. Like we're, our society, it's too ingrained in it's our society It's too ingrained already. in our society. You're there's, about to have smart cities. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not yes. just smartphones. Not, yeah, and smart, and you have smart roads. You know, that, you know, that uh, you're going to have smart trucks delivering, you know, food across the nation. But, you know, something people have mentioned is like, you know, connecting your brain to an artificial intelligence. That would be the future of humanity and that somehow we'd have a neural chip and connect to basically the internet in a way. And so a cool concept. Very cool. You don't need it. That's what – that exists. You can get to that state through meditation. See, there have been people throughout history who have talked about this too. Look at Nikola Tesla for example. Mm. He's talked about how he got all of his stuff when he was astral projecting in dreams. Well, he didn't understand it. He just wrote it down and ran with it, and it turned into radio and radar. See, but the thing is, like, we talk about that. I I would say that it was somewhere there within his consciousness, like the idea. So he is a human being who has he shares. This is getting into the new agey stuff. Collective unconsciousness? The Akashic Records is what oh, it's called, okay, right? Gotcha. Yes, Every yes. collective human experience that's ever yeah. happened. As, as a connection. You can access if yeah, you know how to meditate and get that. I've never, I've never done it, but this, oh, is, yeah. this is theoretical. Yeah, it's, it's a theoretical concept, yeah. That so, people say they've done before, that Nikola Tesla, who invented yeah, all this he stuff, he's like, stuff yep, that's that. basically how I got it. That's what he said. And the thing is, like, it could just be – you know, a funny way to kind of throw people off. <laughs> it could be. You could look at it that way. You know, that's that's. Yeah, you know, I'm a little. I'm a little um, cynical towards a lot of that stuff, but sure. I, you know, because primarily because I can't explain it. Therefore, 
I don't know, right? So what I do know is they haven't found a test to determine if this is true. They've tried so many tests with ESP, like somebody in a different room and they had these, like, what, what, what symbol is it? So that Triangle just means you're squared. putting your faith in science to explain the world. Well, see, and this is where a lot of people get at me for it. And, you're, and it's a very good criticism. Science is always wrong. It corrects itself every single day. And that's it's what, always wrong about and something. And I, see, and I would say that's good. That's good because the scientific method isn't necessarily – But it's bad when you use the current scientific truth to exert power over people, for instance. And, see, exactly. I would say, I would say that you know, if you're going to use science, never use it in, with the intention of using it for power. Use it in the intention of trying to aid and help society. To seek the truth, to well, find would, out what's really going on. Exactly. That's its goal. It's just not good at it, in my opinion. Okay. Well, I see. I would make. I would have the different, the opposite, completely opposite opinion. I think it's very good at it, and I think it's so good at it that it catches any errors that people have made throughout time and are reworking those errors. Because anybody can have an interpretation of anything. We're talking about consciousness today. Anybody can have an interpretation. But let's say in ten, fifteen years, you know, somebody can map the whole human brain out. That's being done right now it's by the, AI. They're the, mapping out the different yeah. parts and putting them all together and seeing what happens. And so, the AI is really good. And the AI might the AI might get down to the problem, you know, because you know, and they and they we talk about AI, right? And you know, they you know, I think it's um, uh, the book Super Intelligence, right? Um, let me see the Nicholas Brodstrom, I think the guy's name. Uh, in that book, I think he mentioned like you know a, a true smart AI can do 10,000 years of our work in a matter of three weeks. So think about that. When we talk about AI, I talk about people connecting to some type of AI. You're talking about humanity, you know, changing so much that we, we wouldn't even recognize ourselves, you know, three to 500 years That's from the now. singularity. Well, yeah. And the thing is like a lot of people talk about, you know, uploading their brains into a computer. And you know that they want to do that the in the consciousness future. cloud. Yeah, exactly. The consciousness cloud. They need a really big which data already center. exists as the akashic records. Okay, they just want okay, a see, digitalized version of it. See, I see, and the thing is, like, I have no evidence of the akashic records, or whether evidence in the sense of nobody can give me, you know, a a study. You can get there yourself. See, the thing is, though, but the thing is, that's relying too much on. On my brain. And the thing I know about my brain and every brain There's in general. There's a lot of stuff you don't know about your brain. For sure. But there's a lot of stuff that we do know. And one of the things we do know about the brain is that it's not the best way. It's not really good for solving a lot of problems. So like for instance, um, one of the things that trick human beings really easily and a lot of animals are optical illusions. If our brains are so good you know, at processing things, you know, are these in the can connect to the alternate state, alternate states – then it should be totally fine for fixing optical illusions and fine for, you know, false memories and sub-memories that are I not mean, really there. We've optical created. Optical illusions are designed to trick your brain. False memories and like memory suppression is designed to keep you from like harming yourself. Your brain's like, oh, if I remember this bad memory from my childhood, it's going to hurt. I'll of just course. block it out. But, but the thing is, but the thing is like, replace it with a happy memory. But, you see, but what I'm saying is, is that is in a sense, you know, mo then if, if that same person, when they go, they would go and seek a therapist to actually, you know, you know, solve that, you know, that block right there. So it is, in a sense, a, a flaw of our brains. I mean, or it's, you, it's, could, it's a you could just mechanism. view it as like, okay, you're awake. That's a level of consciousness. Okay, if you're awake, but this kind of stuff is happening to yeah. you. That you're not at, you're not high enough. That's a lower hmm. level of consciousness. And, and I, I know where you're Mental and, I know illness what you're, I know in general, you could – and again, I don't fully subscribe to this. Of course. And I, but you I could you view don't. mental illnesses as like – People have said Energy is yeah. attacking yeah. your person. Like that's, yeah, I've heard that from – you know, that's a very common thing. Like people who have depression, you can – I can tell. if so, Not all the time, but like, yeah. you know, if someone's like super well, depressed, well, you yeah, can, I, they'll have an air about it. Like I agree. Can, I agree. And the thing is I think, I think that's more so body language. More it's so, a lot of things. Too, well, the right? vibe, you know, when people say oh, the vibe of the of the party was weird, or the vibe of the room was really weird, and it didn't feel right. Well, the thing is, like, you can give off a vibe primarily through your body language and your intent. Oh yeah. So, like, the thing is, like, um, I think it's more so that stuff and our human ability to pick up on 
minor characteristics in people's behaviors that allow us to make inferences about their personality and judgment, primarily because it's evolutionary advantageous for us to be able to look at somebody right in the eye and be able to tell, uh, are they going to try to take over my village and take my crap? You know what I mean? Are they going to try to be friendly with us and we're going to trade? I think we've kind of developed that over time. So, and it's so good right now that it's automatic. You know, we can just through body language, we can just figure it out. You know, before, you know, apes and primates, you know, and, and you know, ancient humans, they used to have a lot of hair. And when, you know, one of the ways they would show off and, you know, scare the other tribes would, you know, have goosebumps and all their hair would stand and make them look like a giant beast. Right, right. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the same. The thing is like, we don't do that anymore because, you know, obviously we're not, you know, have long arm hair and stuff like well, that. Well, you get goosebumps when you're scared. That's like an evolutionary well, it's a fl- Exactly. It's a flight or sure, fight yeah. response, you know, thing. You know what I mean? Because like something's scaring me. I better make myself look big. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is like I would feel – I feel I'm much more comfortable, you know, saying like these things are evolutionary processes over millions of years, mind you. Not – so when I say Paleolithic period, that's in terms of our behavior. But in terms of like the ability to like – um Fight, you know, uh, you know, have a battle, have a fight, and then lose, and go back, and then try to go back and fight again. That thing has been ingrained within, you know, living beings since day one, since the single cell organisms trying to fight against each other. Sure, and, you know, and they lose, and they come back, and they try to do it again. And I mean, it's kind of built within the last. That's why I think evolution is such a great way of you know explaining a lot of this stuff. Primarily because if you get the dates right. Well, the thing is like. Let's take let's take evolution of humanity, right? They say humanity has been around for four hundred thousand years, and then as we've been currently, is you know as we are today with our brains currently, it's been about a hundred thousand years. I've heard varying dates. Yes, I've heard I've heard and some I, varying dates. In my about. opinion, it's it's pretty hard to like determine this stuff. Well, like they keep dating finding they keep finding new bones and, from older and older and older ago, and then they find different types of humans. Like so, for instance, everybody knows about the Neanderthal. But, you know, the Desenovians are another type of uh, human as well as uh, Homo florensis from, I think, the Fiji Islands or wherever that are like, you know, basically hobbits. And, you know, these all existed with our current anatomical humans today. There was many different, you know, types of humans in the past. And you can actually get your DNA tested and see how much Neanderthal you are in Denisovia. If you want to sell that information to the government. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Because they're all they're all using it. Uh, they all have feels, <laughs> which is I find kind of ironic <laughs> and dystopian. <laughs> but with consciousness, because I think the next step of consciousness personally is people using technology to get them to a next level. That's and a what slippery I, slope. I agree it's a slippery slope. But what do I mean by technology? So um, some people have the argument that you know AI is going to basically destroy 30% of the workforce. Right, you can see that already starting. A lot kind of people, of. a lot of people have said that, you know. But also at the time of the Industrial Revolution, um, coinciding with the workforce getting destroyed, you're also hearing people tout universal basic incomes. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's a supplementation for what they're you know, like Andrew Yang, one of the presidential candidates, he's been talking about you know the free you know the the freedom dividend, which is basically UBI. And the idea that, you know, within the next, you know, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, you know, the varying dates, that somewhere down the line, you're going to end up having a situation where, you know, AI is going to come in and pretty much dethrone everybody from their current positions and jobs. And then people are going to be in these massive, you know, unemployment and all this stuff. Now, you know, uh, Andrew Yang's actually having a debate at the Soho Forum uh, against somebody who's disagreeing with him on the AI issue, primarily and against UBI, but particularly on AI taking our jobs. So it's going to be, it's happening in September. So I, uh, okay. everybody, uh, it should be on uh, Reason's uh, YouTube uh, page uh, sometime in the next, probably maybe a month after September. So I imagine October, you would see uh, Andrew Yang debate against, uh, Another individual who's talking against AI taking our jobs and the AI won't do that. So the argument there, I, I would imagine from his position is, I haven't heard his position, but the position is that, you know, in the industrial revolution, people were freaking out about machines and machinery. The Luddites were beating the machines and breaking the machines. And in reality, the industrial revolution created more jobs than there ever were and have made, you know, I think in during Britain over a period, I think of 40 years, the industrial revolution raised uh, wages by 90%. Before, like right at the the end of it, 
Like the industrial revolution didn't exist and then it happened. I think after a 40, 50 year period, wages rose 90 percent. And what makes you think that this internet technology AI revolution is going to be the same? I'm not saying necessarily it will be the same. But I'm saying is we've had giant disruptors within the, econo- within the economy. We've had giant disruptors within – civilization. Humanity is always innovated. So like there's a guy out there, his name is Julian Simon. He is um, an economist, right? And he had this book. Uh, let me tell you the name of the book so people can go out there and uh, actually read it. The name of the book is, uh, I think it's called The Ultimate Resource. Yeah, The Ultimate Resource. It was written in 1981. And basically what that book says is that at the end of the day, the ultimate resource is the human ingenuity, human mind, human human's ability to create stuff and make something new. So I'm a, a, kind of a believer of Julian Simon in a sense that, you know, humanity will just, you know, continue to grow. But there's limits to growth, of course, and all this stuff. You cannot deny that. And when growth gets out of control, it's hard to stop and then it can get too big and well, lead to some bad things. I, I would also agree with you there. So like I said, with all this stuff, there is a negative and a positive. People like Elon Musk with his Neuralink company, he's trying to have a neural chip that will allow people to interface with AI in order for them to continue their jobs and not be priced out. And they would be able to have basically the internet in their mind and be able to have these jobs. That's one way of people looking into that stuff. That's cool. But also it's kind of scary. It sounds a lot like Deus Ex if you ever played the video game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds a lot like that, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, people look at AI and look at, you know, the idea that we're going to, you know, very soon a new type of smart, intelligent consciousness is going to be around within our, within our world for the first time since, you know, humanity. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for them? I mean, by the time I'm in my fifties, I would imagine there would be some type of AI it's it going to be, be hard to imagine. It's moving so fast. It is. I would. I would agree with you. I mean, the exp, I mean, Moore's law alone is exponential, but I think this is even moving at a log- logarithmic rate. It's moving so fast. Um, they had an AI recently. I was listening to a podcast from MIT scientist who does artificial intelligence stuff. Um, there's this AI that basically. So you heard of the AI beating the chess masters. You heard of the AI beating the Go masters, and they had a new AI that. Didn't so those other AIs basically took in the chess the chess masters and the go masters moves and sucked it all in and absorbed analyzed it, it. analyzed it and then beat them. Yeah. There's a new AI though, I forgot what it's called. Um, this AI plays against itself, and it beat the masters of all of these games. It just played against itself. It gave them the rules. And then it played against it itself. Just created a large enough data set yes, to analyze exactly. it and figure out the best move every yeah. time. And yeah, and the amount, the amount of – just to be clear, the amount of possible moves in Go is more than the stars in the universe. <laughs> OK. And to extrapolate that even more, they just completed the first New York to California AI car drive. Mm-hmm. Went the whole yeah. way yeah. with yeah. no incident. Yeah. Six cameras and one computer in the back. That's all it took. Yeah. I believe they it. can drive. They can do that now. Oh yeah, I believe it. And I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just if the, a matter of how do you but implement it and regulate it. That's going to be a real trick. I would agree with you, and I think that's 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 probably been around a while before, though. The DoD probably had that a long time ago. Department of Defense probably had that a while ago, maybe ten years ago. I would imagine, right? And then now the civilian market is probably seeing it, kind of like how the internet worked out. Right. The internet, you know, was you know something. How a lot of stuff worked out. Yeah. Right. So. Um, that's – it's interesting to me because I th- I see that's where humanity is going. And, uh, you know, like the game Deus Ex, you know, there's a, there's a big wave of people who are against, you know, the modifications to their brains and to their I don't want the government in my thoughts. Well, see, and that's, and that's what I mean in the thing. Like, like when, when you have that fear. chip implant and you think and then it goes into the chip and the chip retrieves it and puts it in your brain. Yeah. Who's, see, collect- that's, see, who's collecting all that data see, of your that's, cause? See, that's the fear. That's the fear that comes with, you know, because I think we're, Amazon already lied about listening to it. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, Alexa and you know the Google Google. I have Home. more faith in Amazon than the government. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, I mean, all of those things. Listen, they're looking for keywords like to sell you stuff. That's what they're honestly doing. But at the same and time, to improve their own AI algorithms. Exactly. So I mean, in a sense, I see what they're doing. It's not nefarious, no. but they. 
lied about it, so it kind of is. Yeah, well, I think what they did is they didn't want to, they wanted to sell these things, and they knew that if you tell the market, like, hey, your privacy is probably going to be on the line here a little bit if you're going to use these things, the market probably wouldn't have responded the way they did with buying those machines. But you know, then again, you know, could someone claim fraud on that? Perhaps, right? That could be a big lawsuit. Um, you know, potentially, right? Who knows? Um, but the way the way we the way we understand our consciousness and you know our altered states. I mean, I, I really feel that if 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 this goes well, meaning humanity connecting with AI, you know, us, you know, augmenting ourselves. If that, let's say, hypothetically. Somehow it goes well and privacy is not a concern and everything. If that happens, right, I think that, you know, we're going to be seeing a whole different world and a whole different reality. I agree. And one way you could look at this is I say, okay, the Akashic Records are out there. They exist already. We have access to the kind of AI in our mind that you're talking about. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. If that's like a powers that be situation, okay. right? If there's something bigger, mm-hmm. they could view this as a test. Okay. Like, okay. Or even like an adjustment period. Mm. Like, okay, if humans can handle getting chips implanted in their brain that basically does the same thing that an elevated state of consciousness would give them. Mm. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. As like a test run okay. of of what that would look like, yeah. but non-technologically, see, artificially. That's a lot of people have the zoo theory of humanity, that written reality. This or in little, some sort of simulation. No, 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 not a simulation. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> that's, another, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. But that people, the zoo theory that in reality – we're just a zoo and a bunch of aliens are just watching testing us. It was not even testing us. They're just watching us and then, you know, until – see what's going on until if we figure out they're watching us. Like, hey. Oh, that's like one that's of a, the theories a, of the Atlanteans, right? Oh, it's yeah. Not it's just, not just that they were an ancient human race but that they're an interplanetary yeah, race. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard a lot. They, they've, they've had that with, and so the thing with the and Norse. That, like the human consciousness, <laughs> that DNA could be like Atlantean People, DNA spliced see, into humans. Now you're talking Prometheus. That's a, that's a pretty, <laughs> now you're <laughs> yeah. talking Prometheus, Ridley Scott. Yeah. But like see, I the thing is that to me is just another version of a religious story. It's just I wouldn't use the word religious. I would, but, yeah. I would, because and the reason I would because it's like it's. So what if it's true history? We don't know. That. There's no way of knowing. Well, the thing is, there's a way of understanding because I mean, our our DNA is highly, you know, highly connected to other stuff on yeah. Earth. How do so you like explain the junk DNA? There's a bu- in everybody's DNA. There's a bunch of strands that they just have no idea what it's used for. They just call it junk DNA. Well, the thing is, like, that doesn't. But the thing is, like, you're you're missing the DNA point. is so expertly designed. There's no such thing as junk DNA. Well, the thing is, I, the thing is, like, I don't think so is junk DNA currently. That's what they call it. Currently, it's like an accepted but, like, thing. Give it, give DNA. it, give it, like, give it some time. Give science twenty years to figure it out. Yeah, that's the thing. See, see, the thing about science, and the sad thing about science is, science doesn't move like this. Science has like jumps early well, on, and then it kind of evens out, and then sometimes certain individuals or certain groups of individuals nowadays will then come up with some idea and then find something out. Nowadays, science is way too academic and bought and paid for. Uh, I like if, when you look at scientific journals and like we could get into global warming a little bit, but oh. like just how you can't get your article published in any scientific journal. It's if very you're hard. Ant, it's like you just can't. I mean, if you have, it if ruins you have your a, career if you come up with like a data set that says that global yeah. warming is. Yeah, human that's another one that like people that. have come have come in. It. The it's thing all is about like, the money and the. Well, there's 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 I mean, education system right now. I mean, we can, this is another another podcast you and I have talked about having with. with We're just Obama setting friends. up for some future days. We are definitely are. Point. The the see, I don't think the education system is designed to have at least have people, you know, train their brains necessarily. They just when we talk about brain training. You know, that's a way of altering your consciousness. Just by, you know, becoming more resilient. I, I, last podcast I did was on stress management and, you know, resilient to stress. That's a brain exercise, you know, to be, to be able to stress manage and become resilient to that. You know, you're altering your consciousness in order to become, you know, tougher and take some more, you know, some Just more how stuff. You on your handle how you handle things. stuff. The thing is like, I think that, you know, through, you know, um, tactics like the ones I mentioned in the previous podcasts, 
you can actually train your brain in such a way, in such a fashion to where you're able to handle more stuff. Absolutely. You're able to, I mean, some people are able to handle pain. I mean, you look at, you know, for instance, in, I think it's in Karbala in Iraq, um, there's a festival where, you know, people basically, you know, flagellate themselves, hit themselves with, um, uh, whips and yeah, swords and yeah. stuff. And they're in a trance state and they're the not. Vinci code type stuff. Well, yeah, right. This, this, the flagellation stuff. They, they don't feel the pain primarily because they're in an altered state. The thing is, like, where we're moving with consciousness, where, where the future is going, I, I tend to be optimistic, but I'm also realistic and realize what you were mentioning earlier, like, you know, the government and, you know, corporations listening in and, you know, getting in to our thoughts. Because, we, we, you know, I talked about this the other day. They just connected a, a chip to somebody's brain and had them answer questions without opening their mouth. Just, yeah, it just yeah. the words were coming up in the thing and they were talking saw, to, they were the talking to people. Thing. They were talking to people without using their brains. And I told you that night, how long before mind reading becomes a thing? And what are the legal implications of that? Who gets access to your thoughts? Who gets access? You know, the thing is like, once that, once that thing, when that technology becomes, you know, prevalent and non-invasive, I mean, will, will, will the police start using it? Will ah. government start using it? How does this, how does this change? That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of this stuff connected to the AI stuff and to our brains and altering this stuff. A lot of this stuff has a double-sided coin. It can really raise humanity, but in the hands of an authoritarian, you know, you know and so when you system, it's te- not good. Telepathy would exist if you had a microchip. That's exactly what telepathy what it is. already exists. See, okay, I, I would agree, disagree. You can, hundred <laughs> percent. You go ahead. You can take some substances and you can share thoughts people, with people. Okay, there's people have had experiences okay. of shared thoughts. I've I've heard that Absolutely. as well. And the thing is, like, I don't have any conclusive evidence to. Kind of Bob Weir talked about that in his autobiography, one of his books. Really? He talked about how it like the Grateful, Bob Weir? The Grateful really? Dead shows where they would have like everyone there was on acid. You would be seeing <laughs> through other people's eyes, hearing through other people's ears. See, Your senses just get all out of whack. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Senses definitely get all out of whack. But the thing is that there's a connection to um there there is obviously like I said, once science has not figured out how a lot of our brain works. But give science enough time, you know, by the time we're in our 40s, right? I mean, science is going to have so much more science information. Science will have an answer, but then by the time our kids are in their 40s, it'll be a whole new answer. So does it really well, not matter necessarily, what the current not necessarily. answer was? So, But not necessarily. So the thing is like science a lot of the time, you know, has it, – it'll get some information on something and then it'll, it'll, you know, say, well, this is the accurate information. And then nothing will change. And there's a difference between theories and fact, Right. And then, you know, basically the way people look at theories are is facts. A you know, fact is just a theory that's been accepted by a, however many group of people. Exactly. Majority. Exactly. Well, not, not, I wouldn't say just accepted, but I would also say, you know. Verified. Verified. Proved, proven. Proved hundreds of hundreds of thousands of times even. So like, you know, an example is evolution, right? An example is. Uh, no. I would not see it. That's where you and me have a big disagreement. I would say evolution primarily is uh, is the thing that – the thing is like people say, well, oh, the brain doubled in two million years. I How did that happen? I don't think the current accepted – and I don't even really think there is an accepted by everybody timeline of evolution. As okay. A, as a concept perhaps. Yeah. The, the, natural the concept, selection. Yeah, exactly. That part's all good. But when did, when did, when did life first nobody originate? Knows. No, I don't think everybody Nobody can. knows how long humans have been on earth for. People they have a very guess. hard. Well, the thing is, like, like I said, they keep finding new bones buried deeper bones. and deeper. My favorite example that I just read about uh. is a map. The map that's between the east side, the southeast side of South America, okay, and the southwest side of Africa. Yes, and the tip of the Antarctic continent, like the landmass. Okay, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's a map from the 1500s. Okay. It has the landmass underneath Antarctica. It's covered by ice sheets now. It has the landmass perfectly mapped out. This is a map from the 1500s. Huh? How? So I that's think, technology that I think we've you're only like about, recently pre raise map or something like that in a sense. So yeah, I mean, again, I I don't know. And the thing is, like, there might have been some military intelligence that did go there and did see things. Like I said, the world has changed a lot in a lot of time. But, you know, to kind of wrap all this up and kind of, you know, put this into a nice little little box, I I definitely think that, you know, 
understanding our consciousness and you know we obviously have different different opinions about where our consciousness kind of originates in and a sense. And it's really it kind of doesn't matter where it's from. The fact is we have it and we have to use it. I agree. And that's and see that point right there is so important because if we don't work on, you know, making our brain stronger and more Harnessing resilient. It. Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. Not using and not using your consciousness and you know kind of, you know, sleepwalking through life. I think it's really important that, you know, we kind of open our minds up and kind of take things in. So, Matt Again, I want to thank you for coming in and talking today. It's been really, really fun, really great. I can't wait to have you on again, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Of course, of course. Take care.